Wokeness is the new weapon of imperialism that is destroying societies across the globe. And do white lives really matter? Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. I'm your host, Lucas Grobot, and I want to thank you for being with me on the show today. If you have a question about this show or any other episode, you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. And if it's a bad enough question, I'll answer it here on the show. I always find that stupid questions. When I ask stupid questions, I always get better answers. So ask me a stupid question and I'll give you a <laughs> hopefully a better answer. Today we're talking about wokeness and we're talking about how woke ideologies are being exported out of the West to destroy societies, to weaken societies, to cripple societies. Because if you can convince someone, if you can convince a, a people group, a minority, an ethnic group, that they are being oppressed by some system, that there is a, a system of whiteness out there that consists of the scientific method, that consists of showing up to work on time, that consists of timeliness, that this is a, a construct of colonialism that was set up years ago to enslave people, that if you can convince them of that and you can convince a society to throw away meritocracy and begin to promote ideologies based on their political identity group, to promote people in society based on their political identity group, you will deteriorate the very foundation that enables a society, enables individuals and families to move out of poverty and to move and change and have mobility of class. If you can convince a nation to adopt these ideologies, you will move that nation away from performance, from meritocracy, from competing on the world stage, from productiveness. You will weaken the underlying, the underlying fundamental foundation blocks that could build them up to be an independent nation that is powerful and can grow and take care of its own people. And you cause it to be reliant on the world powers. And that is what is happening across the world today. And we see it, we can see it exemplified right now in America as this strategy is being deployed really to weaken America as a superpower. And it is weakening as a superpower. And we can see it dynamically through the narrative that is being pushed, especially when we look at the recent killings, mass killings in America. If we look at this first one, that happened in Atlanta last week, six of the eight victims were of women in Asian descent. If you remember, there was a shooting last week in Atlanta by a white man who shot up multiple Asian massage parlors. And he claimed that it had nothing to do with racism. It was that he was addicted to sex and pornography and he was taking out his rage somewhere. But the narrative... The narrative becomes that this person was driven by racism instead of looking at the real problem. 
the narrative becomes this is white supremacy, targeting Asians, stop Asian hate. Of course, we shouldn't hate Asians. I don't hate Asians. And of course, there is actually real, uh, real discrimination against Asians, especially when it comes to the university system where Asians are overperforming. So they're not letting Asians in to the top universities in America because they're overrepresented in those universities. And so there's a negative bias against them because of their ability to compete in the market. But then what, what is being said of these people who are overachieving, they say, well, they're deploying and they're buying into the system of whiteness and white imperialism and white supremacy. And that's why they're getting ahead. And that's a bad thing. Or maybe, maybe we can stop and say, wait a minute. Wow, they're implying, they're applying the scientific method. They're working hard. They're studying. They're giving up immediate gratification and they're delaying that gratification. And because of that, their IQs are higher. They're more competent because they put in the hard work meritocracy. But instead in this, in this case with the shooting, even though it's not, spurred on by racial hatred, but by sex addiction, we're talking about whiteness. Instead of talking about the real problem of human trafficking, instead of talking about the real problem of addiction to pornography and the desensitization that pornography creates. And now if you you look across society, across the globe, young teenage boys are having erectile dysfunction because They've been so desensitized through pornography over the years, real issues. But we're not talking about those real issues. Why? Because we want those real issues to go forward and we want to focus on whiteness. Because if we can export this idea to decolonize your mind and your bookshelf from whiteness, from the ideas of meritocracy, you can weaken a society at large. So the question here is, do Asian lives matter or do all lives matter? I posed this question on Instagram this week. Do Asian lives matter or do all lives matter? Of course, the answer is yes, all lives do matter and Asians' lives matter. But you can't say all lives matter. Ahmed Arbery, we discussed this last year, he was, he was hunted down by a couple of, of ex-policemen one ex-policeman retired and killed in the middle of the street for allegedly breaking into a construction site. Horrible, horrible, horrible case. We discussed this at length last year. Do black lives matter? Yes. When we say black lives matter, all black lives matter in lowercase letters, yes, that matters. And it's good that we can say that because it, it raises up specific issues. When we're saying black lives matter or Asian lives matter, we're able to pinpoint specific issues in society. But if we aren't able to say at the same time, and all lives matter, then we can run into problems. For instance, 11-year-old Nye Andra Dyer dies three weeks after being caught in a crossfire at West Pullman Gas Station. This was back in March 22nd, 2021. There's a shootout at a gas station not involving police officers, probably gang-related. 
Young girl dies. Why don't we hear about this? Because it's not that all black lives matter. It's a narrative. It's a narrative that matters. A narrative of a, a system that is set up against black people in America. And it's racist and it's institutional racism. And we have to de do away with it. But with this narrative, and I was having a conversation with an old friend on, on Instagram about this this week. With this narrative, all of a sudden it puts this lens on that the entire system is rigged against us. And we were having this uh, very in-depth, kind, respectful conversation and she divulged to me, she's like, you know, my kids, they're of, of mixed race. And in some parts of town, I can't find hair product for my children. And this is a sign of favoritism towards white people. But in other parts of town, I can find that hair product for my children. But this is, this is evidence that the entire system is set up to favor white people and not favor black people. And this comes from buying into this narrative that the entire world is set up against you and you were in a special victim group. And I, I explained, like, well, it sounds like it's really a, a matter of simple economics. If in America at large, African-American, the black community makes up 14% of the population and I am a manufacturer or I am a store owner, I'm gonna be looking at the demographics in my neighborhood and the people that are shopping at my store and I'm going to carry products that cater to them. So even if it's, I, I'm in a, in a perfect little town where I have the exact representation, I'm only gonna have 14% of my customers potentially wanting to buy this hair product. And my goal as a business owner is to move products so I can make a living, so I can stay in business. So of course, I'm not going to shelve as much of that product, but in other neighborhoods where there's a much higher demographic and higher demand for that hair product, of course, you're going to find it there. So it's not. So when you look at it at a multi, a single level of analysis, and you start with the assumption that oh, there's there's just this inherent privilege to a certain group in America, and you don't look at it from a multi-variable, saying well, why would a business owner do that? Is it because they have some sort of implicit bias, or is it because they're just following the rules of economics and people aren't buying that product in that area of town. But when we adopt these ideologies, all of a sudden it moves away from us being able to compete and focus on meritocracy and be able to move forward. And we say, see, the system is set up against us. We can't move forward. We have to fight this invisible system. And it moves us away from meritocracy and it moves us into victim status. And that actually just causes us to stay there longer. Back in Dallas in, in 2016, in Dallas 2016, five police officers were killed and several were injured in an ambush at a Black Lives Matter protest. So the question is, do blue lives matter? Do police officers matter? Or do all lives matter? Well, again, the answer is, well, yes, both. All lives matter, and the lives of police officers matter. And if we can't stop and, and, and recognize that, on it, that it doesn't matter the color of your skin, it doesn't matter the position that you're in, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, we are all susceptible, we can all fall in to becoming violent. We can all 
have hatred and racism in our hearts. It's not just those who are of a certain skin color can be racist or those who are of a certain uh, gender orientation can be racist, but each and every person. But when we buy into a woke ideology that the more intersections you have of a victim status, the more your truth counts and matters and the more that you see the world. Because I, as a white, cisgender, male, I don't even know all the terms, Christian, well, you couldn't possibly know, you couldn't possibly understand. Rather, and, and, and we're basing our arguments based on the level of victimhood a person has rather than the level of evidence in their argument. Why? Because we've, we've accepted this idea that the scientific method, that ration, rationality and reason and evidence-based, logical-based arguments are tools of oppression. That's the narrative. That rationality, that reason is a tool of oppression. Here's another story. Israeli forces open fire, killing Palestinian throwing rocks. This was from March 21st, 2020. Horrible story. Palestinian lives matter. They do. And all lives matter. <laughs> Here's the next story. Palestinian rock thrower kills Israeli soldier on the West Bank. Mm, that was from May 12th, 2020, back to back. Do these Israeli lives matter? Yeah, they do. Again, as I did this poll on Instagram, someone, someone hit the wrong one and said, they said Israeli lives matter. And they responded to me like, oh, I, I hit the wrong one. I meant to say that all lives matter, not Israelis lives matter. And I look back at the, the previous answer that they gave to the Palestinian lives matter. And they said, oh yeah, Palestinian lives matter, but when it comes to saying Israeli lives matter, we say all lives matter. The issue is not when we say a specific ethnic group matters. The issue is when we can only say it at certain times based on the way that we view the world. And I said, well, don't you see that it's kind of problematic that you would say that a specific ethnic group matters, but when it comes to an ethnic group that you don't like, the Israelis, the Jews, you say that their lives, rather than saying that their lives matter, you say that all lives matter. He said, well, yes, but they're, you know, horrible, oppressive groups. So and I said, well, that's the whole point of this exercise is seeing that, <laughs> seeing that we, in our quest to fight oppression, we can become just as evil and just as horrible as those who are saying are oppressing us, we become just as racist. And the, the reason that I'm saying that this is a problem, besides the obvious reason, is that it's, it's not just localized to the West, but this ideology is being pushed to every corner of the globe. It's being pushed. This agenda is being pushed internationally. And it has an underlying current to weaken societies because if societies, as I said, stop competing on meritocracy and start fighting these invisible monsters, the invisible systems that don't exist, then their societies will, will not continue to grow. They'll stagnate. 
Here's another one. China's treatment of Uyghur people is a genocide, says Canadian Prime Minister. This was February 23rd, 2021. The Uyghur genocide in China, it is a genocide. Uyghur lives matter. Of course, Uyghur's lives matter and all lives matter. CNN reports car bomb explodes in Somalia, killing 20 people at least. Somali lives matter. This was from March 6, 2021. Somali lives matter. California, car crash kills 13 out of 25 people crammed in an SUV. There are migrants from Mexico being smuggled into the United States. And here it's clear that we can say, well, migrant lives matter. We need to say that because we want to address, we want to raise an issue saying there's an issue that's happening with migrants and they're, they're dying in their quest to illegally enter the United States. This is a problem. As we look through, we're going through every single identity politics group. And there's some that we can say that, oh yeah, their, their lives do matter. But some that we are hesitant to let those words exit our mouth. Another one, Al Jazeera News reports that a dozen of migrants heading to Yemen are thrown overboard and fear drowned. 80 people thrown overboard in their voyage from Djibouti to Yemen. This was March 4th, 2021. Migrants' lives matter. We need to raise awareness of these issues, issues like in Yemen. Houthis blamed as blast kills Yemeni wedding hall, killing five women and injuring seven others. Yemeni lives matter. The war in Yemen matters where thousands are being killed, where millions are on the brink of starvation. We need to be able to say that Yemeni's lives matter. Here's another one. Just recently in Colorado, 10 dead people, including police officer after shooting at Colorado grocery store. But here's the thing. When this broke, they said, ah, see, it was probably a white man, crazed white man, pro-Trump supporter. We need to stop these white men. Well, as it turned out, it was a Syrian immigrant that came over uh, during the Obama days who had serious mental health issues, who had posted uh, pro-ISIS ideology on his Facebook wall, ranted about anti-Trump uh, sediment. And he walks into a grocery store and he kills 10 white people. All 10 Boulder victims were white, National Pulse reports. All 10 of the victims were white. So should we right now say, aha, see, white people are being hunted down in the streets. White people matter. White lives matter. No, if I say white lives matter, now, all of a sudden, I have fallen into the camp of being a white supremacist. I've fallen into the camp of being racist. I've fallen into the camp of saying, we well, don't understand. White lives have always mattered. We, it's not about white lives in this case. And the moment that it doesn't fall into the narrative of white people oppressing other minorities, it's not a story that people care about. Or when a certain minority is oppressing another minority. That's not what people care about. And that is, it proves, it's showing that there is a, a specific targeted attack against a certain 
people group, which is called racism. The same thing happened with Hitler and the Jews, where he said, Jews have too much influence. They're being too influential. They're too powerful. They're taking over everything. They're too successful in business. And what Hitler did was through the education system and through media, he created an anti-Semitic mind in the minds of the generation. And once they had that anti-Semitic mind, it became law and acceptable to have prejudices against the Jews, which then led to the Holocaust. The same thing is happening. And you might ask, well, why is the same thing happening? Why is this woke movement happening? The National Museum of African American History and Culture posted this last year, uh, a graphic saying that the whiteness and the white cultures in the United States are things like rugged individualism, uh, family structure, having one husband, one wife, and kids, um, that white culture is based on the scientific method, seeing that a Protestant work ethic is something that is attributed to whiteness. They said that showing up on time and having future goals is a thing of whiteness. They said that justice based around an English common law was an, an idea, ideology, an idea of whiteness, which this should be very offensive to any person of color, saying that, hey, you having a strong work ethic, you showing up on time, you having a, a, a normative family with one wife or one husband and a couple of kids, that these are all things of, of whiteness that you've adopted. That couldn't possibly come from your culture. It couldn't possibly come from Japanese culture. It couldn't possibly come from your, your Indian culture. It couldn't possibly come from your, your Chinese culture, hard work. No, that couldn't possibly be. It's a thing of whiteness. The reason that this is being pushed as we started this off, as we started this episode off, was because if we can push this ideology, if we can get people to believe that the scientific method, that hard work, that showing up on time, that meritocracy is a tool, that capitalism is a tool that can pull us out of poverty, that can cause our nations to thrive and succeed, that can cause us to compete on a global scale. If we can stop nations from believing that, then we can keep them under an oppressive system. We can keep them dependent and weak so that the, the dominant global players can still have dominance. And we're seeing it as a, as a strategy in America to weaken American society. And this was used by the USSR, by the Bolshevik Revolution. It was all identity politics. And the, the entire movement was saying it's not based on meritocracy, it's based on your class. All you farmers that are doing a great job farming that have a, a stone fireplace, well, that is a sign of privilege. You people, you peasant community, and we're going to take that away because you have too much power, you have too much privilege, and we need to give it to people who are of the, of the proletariat, of the working class, instead of the ruling class. And it was all based on identity politics, and it weakened their nation 
destroyed hundreds of millions of lives and weakened every nation that communism and socialism entered into. So why why would socialism want a weak society? Why would they want that? Because if you have a weak society, that society has to be reliant. The individual, the family has to be reliant on the government. They have to be reliant on someone else. They cannot stand up and take action for themselves, take initiative for themselves. So where the two of these ideas collide between a specific ethnic life matter and all lives matter is we, when we look across the, the spectrum of ethnicities, we can say, yes, white lives matter and black lives matter and cops matter and Yemenis matter and Saudis matter and Bengalis matter. We can look across and we say each of them matter. And we, we have to have the ability to raise awareness around things that are happening. Like in China with the Uyghur people, we have to be able to raise, the, raise issues. So I have no problem with saying that Uyghur lives matter or black lives matter. But I have a problem. And there is a problem when something like Black Lives Matter, capital Black Lives Matter, the organization with a specific ideology behind it is being pushed forward. And the trap can be, there's a couple different traps. One of the traps can be is you fall into confirmation bias where all of a sudden everything that you see comes through a lens of there's a system that's set up against me. I'm a victim and I can't get ahead because of this system. It is favoritism towards a different group of people. And in many places of the world, that is true. There are many corrupt societies and corrupt nations and corrupt laws. There are many places where it's written into the law that if you are of a certain nationality or of a certain gender, you get paid less or more. There are many places in the world that's like that. It's law. So I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but we can fall into confirmation bias. And the other thing that comes packaged into these ideologies, like Black Lives Matter, is that we have then the inability to say that white lives matter. We can say, well, yeah, they do, but da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And black lives matter only matters when it's along a specific narrative of of a, a system of whiteness oppressing people of color. The other trap that we can fall into is we begin to villainize others. We begin to villainize others who do not care about the same issues to the degree in the manner that we care about them. For instance, I care probably much more about what's happening in Yemen or what's happening in, in, in China with the Uyghur people than maybe the average Westerner does because it's, it's more top of mind. I, as an individual, I care more about the issues of sex trafficking on a global scale than maybe the average person does. But if I were to then turn and villainize you and say, well, because you don't care about it, because you didn't post about it, because you're not shouting, because you're not coming out to the rally about it, your silence is violence. Your silence is killing all these people. You, it just shows that you are, are complicit in the system of, of sex trafficking. I begin to villainize you, and that is another trap. There's a trap of when we're so focused 
so focused on a specific identity politic group or specific cause, and we don't have the the breadth of vision to be able to see that other people are called to different things. When you fall into this trap, you become embittered and resentful against other people. You become the very thing that you hate. You become the very racist person, embittered person that you hate, and you put shackles on your feet, especially if you're blaming the scientific method and reason as tools of oppression. If, if reason and the scientific method is a tool of whiteness and oppression, if showing up on time, if hard work is a tool of, of the white man to oppress you, then of course you're going to stay in poverty for the rest of your life and you're going to be embittered the rest of your life and you're going to be enslaved to the powers that be, to the very powers that are promoting wokeness to you. You will become enslaved by them. And, and, and the powers that be across the world are exporting this and are going to use this as a weapon, this idea of wokeness, this idea of equality of outcome. They're going to use it as a method of war, of political and economic war against nations as a justification to exert their dominance in the name of wokeness. And so many people are going to go along with it because they've bought an in to woke ideologies, but it's being pushed. It is being pushed on the rest of society. And maybe we don't see it today. Maybe we don't see it in Asia today, but in the years to come, we're going to see an explosion of this these thought patterns as they're being pushed out of the, the, the woke liberal leftism and onto the rest of the world. Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday life. I love the picture of a weaver and at its at his or her loom. It always is a historically and in myth, it's been a the loom is a, a picture of fate and weaving our destinies. And the question is, who is sitting at that loom? Are you or is fatalism, is nihilism, is is the powers of the universe that are out of your control weaving your destiny. And I think it's a, a mixture of both. I think there is a mixture of, of divine intervention in our lives, while at the same time there are choices that we make. And so at this part of the show, we take ancient quotes, and today's quote is again by the one and only St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas was alive around 1225 to 1274, and he was a, a philosopher who synthesized Aristotelian philosophy with Christian philosophy and has become really foundational in a lot of ways that we think about ethics, we think about virtue, we think about law, about natural law, divine law, uh, the way that we think about um, whether our intentions are good or not, how to define that, which is 
in his writings on the double effect. But his quote today is, rarely affirm, seldom deny, and always distinguish. Rarely affirm, seldom deny, and always distinguish. That's what we try to do here on the show. We try to rarely affirm, we seldom deny, and we try to always distinguish. Now, as we talked about a lot in this episode between does a fill-in-the-blank ethnic life matter or do all lives matter? And when we you look through every single subset of every single ethnic group, you find out that the entire subsets, as all the intersections that you can go in, when it's all added together, it adds to all lives. So it's really all lives do matter. And we, we, we do need to hold on to that, especially when a lot of these ethnic group life matter is being is a Trojan horse for woke ideology. It is a Trojan horse for woke ideology because it's not that all black lives matter. We don't make a, a, we don't raise our arms and shout at the number of people that were died in gang violence in Chicago over the weekend. It's some black lives matter. It's certain black lives matter who are killed by certain people with a specific melanin in their skin. It's a narrative. It is a Trojan horse. And we have to defend against that. And we have to realize that all lives matter. And when we fall into victim groups and oppression groups, and that's the only way that we see the world, it's not saying that it doesn't exist. I've been across the world. I live across the world. And I can, I can clearly see there are unjust balances in the globe that do need to be set right. But when we then turn, and instead of looking at specific instances and saying, this individual cheated me in this way, and we make it very specific, that is what real justice is, saying here was the injustice, the act that was committed, and this is how we can rectify it. But the moment we move away from that into these broad systems where we can't actually pinpoint what the injustice is, we can't pinpoint what the law is, we can't pinpoint exactly what it is, but, well, you know, maybe people people just have certain implicit biases. Well, everyone has an implicit bias. Of course. Everyone has an implicit bias. And no law can ever rectify that. And no amount of, of, of penance that we can make as individuals can rectify that. But we have to look into specific instances, and that's the place that we can bring justice between in specific instances. As Aquinas said, it's rarely affirm, seldom deny, and always distinguish. And we're spent time distinguishing between these ethnic lives matter and all lives matter, especially when it comes to us being able to say that white lives matter. And if we can't say that, then we have to distinguish, okay, what's going on in our hearts? We spent time distinguishing how woke ideologies are actually undermining societies from being able to flourish and compete on a global scale. Because it's not, it's not one-sided. And when we begin to adopt that into our lives and begin to look at more multivariable analyses of the world around us. Not in saying, well, it's all gray and everyone's truth is relative and you can just do what you want and, you know, if that makes you feel good. I'm not saying that. What I am saying 
is when we can look at problems and issues and distinguish to find the root cause, to find what the underlying systems are so that we can make changes slowly and tweak it, that is going to be a path that enables you and I to achieve our goals, to, to raise our children in a way that they will become successful. And that's what we want for each and every one of our children and each and every one of us. Thank you for listening. That is all for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. And remember, you are someone who goes out and discerns the truth so that you can own the future. <laughs>